Come on, put your hands together. We came to celebrate the name of the Lord, that powerful name, the name that's able to protect us, the name that's able to lift us and shield us from our enemies. Anybody want to celebrate that awesome name with me? The writer said, the Lord is my strength. He is my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God, and he is my rock. So let's lift our voices together. Tower, family and friends. Welcome to our 10:30 a.m. Sunday morning service. In just a few moments, our very own pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson, will be bringing a timely word. If you have prayer requests or would like to give online, be sure to log on to our website or app at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. guys are amazing, um, that, that to be a part of this community, this church called Strong Tower is truly a blessing for me. Yes, I'm honored to serve as your pastor, but more so, I'm blessed to be a part of the community. And, uh, and again, I bring you greetings on this rainy Sunday morning, December 20th, 2020, uh, believing God that we will be together sometime in 2020, 2021. Uh, and so, uh, but until that time, I'm grateful that we can at least connect virtually in an imperfect fashion. So I bless God for you and uh, that you were able to stock the uh, food pantry, the food bank once again, so that we could go out into the community and serve the last, the lost, the least, and the little ones. We were able to go into the Edgehill community and bless people with the food that you brought um, being the hams and, and the toys and the gift cards. And Lasagna Thompson, Doreen, and I, we were able to go out uh, to the area where we normally do a bless fest. But because of coronavirus, we weren't able to do the bless fest this year. But we've uh, continued to serve on a regular basis in that neighborhood, along with other churches and ministries that are already stationed and located there. And so um, we went and we went out, but, but what excited me the most was going uh, to be with the elderly yesterday because they had a fire and enthusiasm and excitement about them that was truly, uh, uh, it, it just rolled off onto me. They, they were fired up, and so uh, it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. But Strong Tower, thank you for being the church, even when we can't have church in the building because the church is not the building. The church is the people. Yes, the church is to gather, but, man, we've got to scatter out there and meet felt needs because that's one way to build the kingdom of God. Because some people won't listen to us tell them that Jesus is Lord and that they need to know him until they get to see him through us and how we show his love in demonstrable and tangible ways. So bless God for you, Strong Tower. Also, um, I want to thank God for my friend, Minister Keith Staten, who was able to um, give us the song, Mary, Did You Know, this morning. I've known Keith since 1988, I believe, um, as he is one of the singers of the gospel group Commissioned. And uh, so I'm thankful that he was able to come by Strong Tower and bless us this morning with his rendition of Mary, Did You Know. But then also, um, I've got to give a, a big congratulations to our very own Dr. Jewel Gibson, who was able to pass the state board, whereby she is now a licensed psychiatric mental health practitioner. So she has added on to her illustrious education, and she's deepened her uh, ability to reach people by also delving into mental health, which has been a burden of hers for the past several years. And she did something about that burden, and she went and got more education that she might be all the more qualified to minister to people holistically. And uh, thank God for Dr. Jewel, who not only ministers to people's bodies and their minds, but we know that as our worship director here at this church, God uses her to minister to our souls. So, Dr. Jewel, we want to tell you we love you. Congratulations, sis. Um, you, you are a reminder to us 
that goals can be accomplished. That that that, and even though we've pat, we we we've accomplished past goals, that doesn't mean we can't have new goals in our lives. So thank you for your example. Thank you for who you are, and your patience are blessed to have you as well. All right, Strong Tower, it's time to get into the Word. Now that my mic is right, uh, let's get into the Word. Uh, uh, let, let, let me dab my forehead, you know, make sure I'm not too glistening up top, you know. And uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, or you may have grown up in a part of town where y'all said Matthews chapter 1. I, I don't know where you grew up, but, but Matthew Chapter one, because <laughs> we do have some country folk at our church now, Kmart's, Walmart's, Kroger's, Aldi's. There's no S on those. Come on, country folk. <laughs> so I've got a message today that I'm going to preach entitled, A Messy Mission. A Messy Mission. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for being who you are. Thank you that you are love. Thank you, Lord God, that you are full of grace, that you are rich in mercy, that, God, you are compassionate and your mercies endure forever. Thank you, God, that we get to know you, that we get to approach your throne of grace And make our petitions known that we are your sons and daughters. Although sin separated us, you bridged the gap to bring us back to yourself. And you did that through your son, Jesus Christ, who became a man, who suffered in our place, who suffered in our stead, so that we could be born again. Lord, this Christmas, we want to be reminded of the gospel Every day we want to be reminded of the good news. And we thank you, Lord, that you are able to do that through the foolishness of preaching and even through this foolish preacher. Have mercy on me and on those who are listening to my faltering voice this morning. Lord, I thank you that you can work with imperfect vessels to minister to imperfect people about your perfect love. So Holy Spirit, fill us May we have a wonderful moment in this hour as we engage with you through the word of God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, God. A messy, a messy mission. The name Yeshua, or some would say Yeshua. The name Yeshua which is translated as Jesus in the English, was a common name among the Hebrew people. It means literally the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. But it was a common name, Yeshua, amongst the Hebrew people. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, there was a false prophet that Paul and Barnabas ran into as they embarked upon their first missionary journey out of the church of Antioch. And they ran into a man by the name of Bar-Jesus, Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus or son of Joshua or son of the Savior. But this man was not a Christian, even though he had the name Jesus in his name. In fact, the Bible says not only was he a false prophet, but Bar-Jesus was also a sorcerer. And so as Paul confronted this man, he went on to say that this man was a son of the devil. And if you see the play on words here, a man who is claiming to be a son of the Savior was technically a son of the devil because he was not born again. He did not have a relationship with God, and he delved in sorcery. And so it was a common name then. And the biblical names Joshua, Hosea, and Isaiah are all English variations 
of the one Hebrew name, Yeshua. But when applied to the name of God's son, Yeshua has a completely different purpose and connotation. Did you hear what I said? Common name, Hosea, Isaiah, Joshua. These people that we read of in the Bible is the same name of our Jesus. But when we apply Yeshua to our Savior, that name has a completely different impact and meaning and purpose than it did with uh, the great liberator who followed Moses and with the prophets Hosea and Isaiah. You see, Jesus, his name was the embodiment of his mission. The Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus. So read with me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, to hear what the angel said to Joseph. He says, verse 21, and she, being Mary, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. There it is right there. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. His name gives us the embodiment of his mission. You see, Jesus was born so that he could die so that the spiritually dead could be born again. I said it too fast. I got to put it in reverse and go back. Jesus was born so that he could die in order to save the spiritually dead and allow us to be born again. He was born to die so that the dead could live. He saved us by sacrificing himself. You see, the swaddling clothes in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that baby Jesus was wrapped in, they are a picture of the Lord's burial clothes in Luke chapter 23, verse 53, that Jesus was wrapped in as a grown man after having his body taken down from the cross. So the swaddling clothes, which were, were like strips of cloth, that mummified baby Jesus to keep him from scratching himself and even to keep him warm, the way we bundle our babies. That was just a picture of the grave clothes that would wrap his body. But, but you do know that he wasn't in those grave clothes long. Oh, boy, I wish I had a witness in the building, but is there a witness online today? He wasn't in those grave clothes long. You see, Jesus' mission was a messy mission. Oh, you got to hear me this morning. It was a messy mission because it was a bloody mission, a bloody mission. You see, when I watch television and movies and they have births, uh, uh, people acting like they're giving birth on television and in the movies, um, it is nothing like real life. If you are a birthing doctor, if you've been in the birthing room, you know that there is a lot of blood when a child comes into the world. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on up in there, so much so that after I went in for my son, I was there when my son was born. I had a front row seat. And then after that, I just moved further and further away uh, <laughs> as my wife gave birth to our second, third, and fourth child. But, but, but it's bloody in there. But when you watch movies, man, there's no blood. Matter of fact, when, when they give birth in the movies, next thing you know, they're holding the child in their arm. Again, there's no blood. Nobody's, you know, uh, uh, there uh, uh, wiping up blood. But they're holding usually a toddler by this time in the movies. You know what I'm saying? And so they, they give you a false picture of, of what the birthing process is like. And in order to save us, in order to birth us into a new kingdom, Jesus got messy so that we could get clean. Jesus bled so that we could be covered in his righteousness. He shed his blood. He was like a lamb on that cross, and they would slit the throats of the lambs so that their blood would be shed for the sins of the people. Jesus was brutalized 
on the cross. His death was a violent death. So we look at cute baby little Jesus, but it's really a setup for the one who was so marred on the cross that the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 52 that no one had ever been as marred as Jesus was. So the cross was messy. It was brutal. It was violent. It was horrific. There was blood from his head, his hands, his feet, from his side. He had been whipped with a cat of nine tails. It was a messy mission so that you and I could be who we are today in the presence and in the sight of God. Thank you, Jesus, for that mission. But here it is, y'all. Here it is. When you have a life mission from God, and we know that Jesus had a life mission. It was in his name. He will save us. When you have a life mission from God, and when I have a life mission from God, we can expect for it to get messy. And so we need to make sure we remind people that if we really are going to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, uh, children of Jesus, then it requires carrying a cross, which is a death instrument, meaning that life is already messy enough as it is in a fallen world with fallen people and fallen systems. But when we come to Jesus Christ, many times that mess intensifies because of who we're identifying with now. So when you have a life mission from God, expect for it to get messy, Christian. Um, It's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, expect internal resistance. Expect external resistance. Expect hardship in your mission for God. Expect rejection. Expect tears. Expect loneliness. Expect being stretched. Expect persecution. And in some cases, expect to shed blood. Expect to die. When I came into my office this morning at the church, there was a Christmas card on my desk from one of our missionaries, Larry and Mary Warren. And to see them smiling with their children, man, it's a beautiful thing. They are a handsome and beloved family. But I also know that behind those smiles um, were many days of tears and struggles and being held at gunpoint and being threatened, having their homes broken into in various parts of Africa when they lived there on the ground for years as missionaries, there was a lot of suffering in their mission. But, 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 but hold on, though. I don't want to discourage you because although there are things we can expect that are hard, tough, rough, and messy, we can also expect on the flip side when we walk in our mission that things are also going to be blessed, that things are going to be good, that things are going to be satisfying, and and, and we can expect fruitfulness. Uh, We can expect joy unspeakable when we walk in the mission, the purpose that God has for us. So, yes, there are hard things, but also there are good things that also come with fulfilling our mission for the Lord and in the Lord. Because hopefully we will all be able to hear this as Christians when we stand before the Lord, having kept our mission, or as Paul said, I've finished my race, I have kept the faith. And he said, there's a crown laid up for me. And I hope that as we stand before the Lord, having kept the mission that he called us to, that we will receive a reward, that we'll receive a crown that we'll ultimately give back to him. And that we can also hear our master and our God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Strong Tower, although the mission that you're on individually and even for the church corporately can get messy sometimes, I pray that you will keep your eyes on the one who kept his hands on the cross. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It talks about we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And we ought to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sitting down at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus stayed on his mission. He endured the mess. 
And as his followers, he expects us to do the same, to endure, to go through the hardship so that we can sit down. Or as the old folks used to say, go into heaven and put my robe on. Uh, uh, go and, and walk about heaven all day. All day. But, but until that time, that rest for the people of God, you and I have a mission, and sometimes that mission gets messy. And so what I want to do is I want to walk you through how Jesus on his mission experienced much resistance uh, at every hand from many people and even from the devil himself. How in his mission there were people who wanted him to get off of track, get off of his mission. But he stayed on his mission. He endured all the way to and through the cross. And he wants us to do the same. So let's look just in the book of Matthew at the various ways that forces and people came against Jesus to knock him off mission because those same things come against you and I as we do our best to stay on the mission that God has given us. And so we all have a general mission as Christians to glorify God, to know him and make him known to glorify God and enjoy him. We all have a general mission to love him and to love our neighbors and to love ourselves, to be salt, to be light. We all have a general mission, but in the midst of our unique makeup in the hands of God, he has given each and every one of us who know him a specific mission against the backdrop of our general mission. In other words, what are you here for? Why did he save you and not just take you to heaven as soon as you ask Jesus into your life? No, no, he left you here because there's a mission on your life. There are people you can reach. There are people you can touch that no one else can reach or touch. And that doesn't mean you have to go into full-time ministry like me because all of God's people are ministers. Wherever you are, there is something he gave you. There's a spiritual gift that you have. There's a passion that you have. There's a burden that you have. There are life experiences that you have. And God is working all of that together to show you your mission and why you are here to make an impact for him and on the lives of others. So let's watch how our Lord stayed on mission so that you can stay on yours. I'm talking to every school teacher. I'm talking to every mechanic. I'm talking to every student. I'm talking to every business owner. I'm talking to you. You have a mission for the Lord. And it gets messy sometimes. But guess what? You're not alone. You're not by yourself. The first thing I want you to see is that Herod tried to stop Jesus Mission in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. We read, we read that before during the season, but Herod, the king, tried to kill King Jesus when he was a child. So already out the gates, Jesus' mission was uh, uh, Herod came against him. Another thing we see in Matthew's gospel is that the devil tried to stop Jesus' mission in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and Satan tempted and tested Jesus for 40 days, uh, uh, saying, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, jump from off of this temple so that the angels can catch you before you dash your feet against the stone. So the devil was tempting Jesus, and, and here it is right here. He said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me. In other words, I'll give you the people that you came into this world to save. I'll give them to you if you worship me. In other words, you don't have to go to the cross to get the people. You don't have to be momentarily separated from your father as you die and agonize with the sins of the world on your body on that tree. I'll give you the people. I'll give you the crown. But just don't go to the cross. So the devil was tempting Jesus to compromise. The devil was tempting Jesus to take a shortcut. And I'm so glad that the Lord said, away from me, Satan, for it is written. And he went boom, boom, boom. He stood that test. He withstood that temptation. And so you see, when we're going through our stuff and the devil comes and he tempts us to compromise, to take a shortcut. 
uh, to, to try to stay away from pain and suffering, to take the easy road, which many times, again, is the road of compromise. Because the devil knew that if I could get Jesus to compromise, that would disqualify him. And then the devil also knew, I don't want Jesus going to that cross. Because if he goes to that cross, he's going to go like the gap band upside my head. Because the Bible says that through the suffering of the Savior in Genesis chapter 3, that he would inflict a head blow. He would crush the head of the serpent. And the way that the serpent is crushed is through the blood on the cross by Jesus Christ. And so I just want to let you know. That, that it's so easy to compromise. It's so easy to make excuses to do the things that the devil wants you to do or your flesh wants you to do, but you need to stay focused on mission and be obedient to the Lord. Oh, my God, I, I got to keep moving. Another thing we see in the Gospel of Matthew is that even Peter tried to stop Jesus' mission in Matthew chapter 16 beginning at verse 21. So, so now Peter, who's in the inner circle, Peter, who's probably the Lord's closest human friend, earthly friend, uh, 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 Peter is going to be sincere, but as we're going to see, sincerely wrong. Look at Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 21. The Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So there it is. That's his mission. And he's saying it's going to be messy. He's telling his guys, I'm going to be killed. But he also says, I'm going to be raised on the third day. Verse 22, then Peter, the guy who in Matthew 16, in the earlier verses, verses 18 and 19, he's the one, oh, let me back up. He's the one who says in verse 16 of Matthew that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. So he got it right when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? It was Peter who said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, man, you're blessed, Simon. Flesh and blood didn't give you that. My daddy in heaven gave you that information. And on that information and on my person, I'm going to build the church on this rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Peter, man, I bet all the other guys were looking at him like, man, Peter got the right answer. Just like in school sometimes when somebody raises their hand and gives the right answer. And, you know, they kind of look around like, yeah, I got that one. Peter had it, right? But this brother went from uh, great heights <laughs> to great depths in a matter of seconds. Because uh, uh, when Jesus says, I got to die in order to build this church, uh, uh, the Bible says in verse 22 that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Uh, can I stop and pause? You better make sure you know what you're talking about <laughs> if you call yourself rebuking Jesus. Uh, so, so he got a little bit comfortable. He got a little bit full of himself. That, that one right answer has made him a tad bit arrogant. And so he's going to take Jesus aside, and he's going to rebuke Jesus because he didn't like what he heard about Jesus' mission being so messy. And he takes him aside and rebukes him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus had to let Peter know, brother, again, you're sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. You're off. As a matter of fact, just as my father gave you that revelation, that insight about who I am, the devil crept in quickly to mess with your mind, and it came through your mouth, and you said something that was against my mission of me going to Jerusalem and dying because you want to protect me. No, 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 Pete. Again, uh, 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 you may have meant well, but homeboy, you're way off. And Jesus says, let me tell you where that influence came from to try to stop me from my mission. It came from Satan because he doesn't want me going to the cross. And so sometimes when you're walking in your mission, there will be people in your circle, in your family even, who see you struggling, who see you suffering, and they will say to you, you need to stop doing 
what you feel God has called you to do because it just hurts too much. And we don't like to see you hurt. And again, they mean well. But this is when you've got to know you've heard from God and you've got to keep your hands to the plow that he's called you to plow and the field he's called you to be on. Because family will mean well when they see you struggling in what God's called you to do. But, but man, you've got to recognize I've got to stay on mission. Mm, mm, mm. Fourthly, the Pharisees tried to stop Jesus' mission in Matthew chapter 26 verses 1 through 5. And this is when they said, you know what, we've got to kill this man. We got to kill him. And what they didn't know is that by uh, uh, seeking to take the life of Jesus Christ, they were actually fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ because part of his messy mission, if not the main part, was for the lamb to die, for the lamb to be slain. But we also got to keep in mind, oh, we got to keep this in mind. They did not take the Lord's life from him, but Jesus laid his life down to them. And because he had the authority to lay it down, Jesus says, I have the authority to take it back up again. You're not taking my life. I'm allowing you to take my life because there is a purpose in my mission that I might save those who come to me by faith. But they tried to stop the Lord, but didn't know they were really helping him. But then Judas tried to stop Jesus' mission in Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16, where he went to the Pharisees, that gang, that religious gang, that group of hypocrites, and he said to them, what will you give me if I hand them over to you? And they counted out 30 pieces of silver. So from that time on, he looked for an occasion, an opportunity to hand Christ over to them. And so Judas was one who also tried to hinder the mission of Jesus, but he didn't know that he was actually fulfilling the mission of Jesus. Why? Because David wrote back in the Old Testament a word that, that really dealt with what he was going through, but prophetically spoke about what the Messiah would go through. And that is when David wrote, he said, uh, you know, I could handle opposition if it's from out there. But man, what's tough is that the one who's against me is the one who's eating bread with me at my table and he's lifted up his heel against me. And so who was eating bread with Jesus at the table on the night in which he was betrayed? It was Judas. The Bible says that the devil entered Judas when he ate the bread because Jesus said, uh, somebody here is going to betray me. And there's a difference between betrayal and denial. But Jesus says, somebody has premeditatedly set me up and it's one of y'all at the table. And Judas had the nerve to say, is it me in front of everybody? So his heart was callous. His heart was cold. And Jesus said to him, it is as you say it. And then he got up and he went out. And the Bible says when he went out, it was night. And he is possessed by the devil. And the other guys think he's just going out to handle some things with the money because he was over the money case for the disciples. And so Jesus had somebody who, who let me put it like this. Everybody that's in your circle is not in your corner. And one of the things you're going to face on your mission is not only resistance from out there, but resistance up close. You see, Peter was a friend who stumbled, but Judas was a devil who was intentionally trying to take Christ off mission. And so don't be surprised when people who used to eat bread with you who used to, used to let in your house, friends, lift up their heel against you to try to destroy you, to try to discourage you and take you off mission. Don't be a, a surprise when that happens. Thank God that you get to suffer the way Jesus suffered. Thank God that you're on mission because many times all this pain is an indicator that you are right where God wants you to be. Never mistake that being in the will of God means that it is a pain-free zone. Uh-uh. When you are in the will of God, expect there to be pain in that zone. But again, it's pain with a purpose. It's pain that's leading you to where God wants you to be. But you got to watch out now. Don't be suspicious of everybody. Let their fruit speak. And sometimes you may not see it until, you know, you've been down the road a little bit. But you stay on mission even when you have an enemy who's disguised like a friend in your midst. Oh, my. What else do we see in the Gospel of Matthew? Even Jesus, and this is going to rock you, even Jesus momentarily tried to stop his own mission. 
in Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. Even Jesus tried to stop his own mission. I mentioned to you Herod. I mentioned to you the devil, Peter, the Pharisees, and Judas. And now even Jesus momentarily tried to stop his own mission. And I'll begin reading at Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Or another way of saying, and pray with me. Verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So there it is right there. Again, if we read quickly, we'll go over that and and, and just move on. But I got to stop right there when Jesus said, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup, what's the cup? The cup of suffering, suffering for sin. Let this cup, in other words, is there a way that I don't have to drink this cup? And so he's talking to the father and he's keeping it real because we cannot forget that Jesus was 100% God and also 100% man. He was human, which is why he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus was not an android walking around like the vision in the Avengers who has no feelings. No, Jesus had feelings. Jesus has feelings. He became a man to know what we go through experientially. And being a man, he was susceptible to pain. And being a man, also, he was susceptible to emotions, And right now, his feelings are all over the place. Even though this is the crowning moment of his purpose, the apex for why he came to die, it was determined from eternity past. But in that moment, before he goes the next step to Calvary, he's struggling in his humanity. So we can say, humanly speaking, this is Jesus, humanly speaking, saying, Father, is it possible? Because I know when I drink this cup, I'm going to be momentarily separated from you. Now, now there'll be a physical suffering that will go on, of course. Uh, And and he's about to start sweating blood up in here. But but that's not even the worst part of the crucifixion and his suffering. It's, It's being momentarily separated from his father, which is why he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or why have you turned your back on me? So Jesus is in his feelings, but yet he has the wherewithal to say, but not my will, your will be done. Humanly, he's struggling, but he's like, "Mm -mm -mm. Father, not my will. And, And when he prays the next two times, he takes the first part of this portion of the prayer out of the equation. He no longer asks the Father if it's possible. In other words, he's accepted what was determined from eternity past, and the Father did not scold Jesus for dealing with his feelings in that moment. So I just need to say something to somebody. You can't be spiritual 24-7, and even in your spirituality, you're still human. Yes, I'm a man of God, but guess what? I'm a man. And God knows that I'm a man, and I'm a mess of a man. But I got a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of my struggles and my infirmities. So when I tell him, I feel like quitting, I feel like walking away, I got a Savior who says, I understand how you feel. And he'll meet you in that feeling, in that emotion, in that moment, then give you the strength, the capacity, and the example to get back on your mission. So just because you struggle in your mission, that doesn't mean that God hasn't called you. That doesn't mean that you're worthy, you're not worthy, but what it does mean is that God is the one who's gonna always make up the difference for our inadequacies. Because faithful is he who calls, 
who will also do it. So in your calling, in your mission, you can say, Dad, I'm struggling right now. You know how many times I tried to quit being a pastor? <laughs> you know how many times I tried to walk away? But listen here now. When you're called, you just can't quit. That don't mean you don't struggle. Don't mean you don't get tired. But when you're called, man, the Holy Spirit wells up in you, and he gives you the strength you didn't think you had. That burden, that passion, that fire kicks back in. But every now and then, we struggle and say, God, is it possible to take this thing off of me? You know, I've got a heart for handicapped children. I've got a heart for the mission field. God, I've been called to write. God, I've been called to preach. God, I've been called to do this, to do that. And every now and then your feelings take over. But don't let them stay in control because Jesus gives us an example right here. But, 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 but before I move on, I, I got to say something, though. Because in this moment of Jesus' struggle, humanly speaking, the Bible lets us know in Luke twenty-two forty-three that as Jesus endured uh, that emotional distress, as he endured the feelings that he was going through, as he endured, the Bible says that there were some angels that came and strengthened him. Ah, yeah, yeah. The Son of God in his humanity still needed some angels to come at this dynamic quintessential moment of his mission. The angels came. But, but it's just like the angels that showed up at the beginning of his ministry, because in uh, uh, Luke's gospel, or rather Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, in the wilderness, after he withstood Satan at the commencement of his ministry and endured that test, God sent angels to strengthen him and no doubt to feed him. What am I saying? Whether you're starting your ministry and there's struggle, or you're in your ministry and there's struggle, as you endure, there is a crown of life, James chapter 1, verse 12, that God will give you. And, and, and many times, he will bring angels into your life to strengthen you on your mission when it gets messy to help hold your arms up. Now, now these can be angels from above that can take human form from time to time. Strangers. Man, Strong Tower, I got to tell you something. I'm not bragging. I'm just testifying. Don't hate. I pray that you celebrate. Because uh, on a Thursday night, there was a knock on my door. It was a stranger at my door. And he handed me $50 cash. And he says, I'm doing this just because. And uh, I know this the season of giving, but I was taken aback a little bit. And I'm like, my first thing coming from Baltimore, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what's, what, what, what's up with this, bro? And he says, I'm doing it just because. And so I take the money and I said, brother, I receive it in Jesus' name. Sometimes God will send an angel to your door with a blessing with your name on it to encourage you in that moment. And then I go in the kitchen, I tell my kid, they say, who's that at the door? I said, a man, I've never seen him before. He says he lives in our neighborhood and he came and gave me money. My kids, rather than celebrating, said, I wish I had answered the door. But anyway, just yesterday, when we go out to be a blessing in the community, to give away the stuff that you brought to this storehouse that we can distribute, I'm up in a, a Dollar General picking up some extra stuff. There's a group of ladies who come in, older ladies. They smile at me with that mask, and you can tell when people's eyes go up. I smile at them with my mask, my eyes go up. But I kept noticing she kept looking at your pastor. I'm like, why is this older lady staring at me, but I smile back at her, my eyes go up. And then I'm up there in line paying for my stuff to take and distribute to the people. The lady comes up to me and says, here, here's a hundred dollars. I just want to bless you with this. And I took, I, I wasn't so suspicious as I was Thursday night. I took that money and in Dollar General, I started shouting in Dollar General. I started jumping up and down. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Won't he make a way? Won't he make a way? Because I'm going out to bless and God is blessing me in return. I never seen this lady, but she wanted to bless me. And then I said, lady, thank you so much. Matter of fact, tomorrow is my wife's birthday and I'm going to turn around and hand this $100 bill to her because when God blesses you, he blesses you to be a blessing. I'm saying all that to say God can send some angels by 
when you need it most. And I wasn't even struggling. But he'll send some angels by. But here's the flip side to it too. Can you be an angel to somebody who's on their mission and they're struggling? Can you be the hands and feet of God to show up and be a blessing to someone? Especially if you know somebody is struggling in their mission because it has surely gotten messy. Oh, my God. You be God's angel. Oh, boy, I got, I, I got to move on. Uh, can, can I go to the next one? Uh, Peter tried to stop Jesus' mission again in Matthew 26, verses 47 through 54, because Jesus, Judas is going to come with the mob. They're going to arrest Jesus. And Peter has his fishing knife under his cloak, you know, the knife that he would use to cut off fish heads and scale fish. He's got his knife, uh, and, and they range in size where sometimes they can be considered a sword. But, 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 but Pete was packing, and we know Pete, he can be a little volatile at times. And we're about to find out that Peter can cuss also. I know we got some cusses out there. Peter can cuss. You know, he, he, he's all over the place. He's impetuous. You know what I'm saying? So Peter pulls out his blade, and he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear because he, he, he's trying to protect Jesus again. You can't go through with your mission. And Jesus said, man, put your sword away. He said, uh, don't you know I can call down angels? They could rescue me in this moment. But Jesus says, it must happen this way in order to fulfill Scripture. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be dispersed because they're about to flee. And so, so, so Pete meant well again. And your mother, your father, they can mean well and want to protect you from hurt, harm, and danger. But sometimes our mission has those things involved. And you got to know how to lovingly and respectfully talk to people who mean well. But God gave you a, a word about the course your life is supposed to take. Stay on mission. My mother didn't really like the fact that I was traveling all over the country in a T-bird all summer going from city to city and, and tough places, gang-infested spots, you know, sharing the gospel. She wasn't necessarily thrilled with her son being in places where they had just shot and killed people, and I'm out there the next night preaching the gospel. But I thank God for Betty Williamson because she said, uh, my boy belongs ultimately to God, and, and, and although I don't want him in those places, I know he's got to go in those places because that's part of his mission. Because my mother can be a little overprotective at times, but she saw what God was doing, and she released me to do it. Now, she will still call me to this day and call me her little Christopher and, and, and be concerned with all the places I'm going, but she realizes that there's a call on my life. Oh, I got to keep going. The people tried to stop Jesus on his mission. Because once hoisted and nailed to the cross in Matthew 27, verse 39 through 44, they walked by the cross and wagged their heads at him. And they said to him, if you are the son of God, come on down off that cross and then we'll believe you. In other words, don't complete your mission. Come on down. Now, and Jesus knew, y'all won't believe me because you see me do all kind of miracles because it's not the miracles that's ultimately going to change your heart. It's me that's going to change your heart, and you don't want me. You want my miracles. You want me to feed you. You want me to heal you, but you don't want me, and I'm not coming down off this cross. And when they said, if you are the Son of God, that sounded like the devil who said in the beginning, if you are the Son of God. So therefore, these people were influenced by a satanic spirit to try to punk the Lord, to dare the Lord, to make the Lord try to flex and show his power. And the Lord is like, no, in this hour, I am to be a docile lamb who is to be slain. And he died. And then we see in Matthew 27, verse 50, that death even tried to stop Jesus' mission. The Bible says, in Matthew 27, 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. You see, Jesus died when his spirit left his body. His spirit went to Sheol or the place of the departed in the New Testament known as paradise or Abraham's bosom. So, so Jesus died. And I bet there were many who thought that they had derailed his mission 
through death. I bet there were many who thought that that, that was, you know, because Jesus died on a Friday. And a lot of folk like to start partying on Friday. And I bet you them devils were partying on Friday thinking that, man, they got him. They missed him in the wilderness, but they got him right here on the cross. And they are partying, man. Whoa, he's gone. He's dead. But see, now I got to go to my final point. The grave tried to stop Jesus in his mission as well. Oh, my. <laughs> but that's not how the story is. Here we go. And it ain't even Easter, and we're reading about the resurrection. Oh, because that's what Christmas ought to do for us. Uh, look at verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. You see that, that exclamation point? Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The grave couldn't hold him. Not only could, could death not stop him, even though death tried, the proof that death didn't succeed is that the grave couldn't hold him either and that he is alive. And when he tells them to not be afraid, he says, I know that my resurrection, you standing here looking at me, this changes everything. And I know you're probably shook up right now like, oh, my goodness. He's like, don't be afraid. I know everything has just changed. Oh, my. But go ahead and go tell because now you got to stay on your mission as my disciples. Ah. The grave couldn't hold him. I love what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. He said it was impossible for death and for the grave to hold on to Jesus. It was impossible. Just like when I played running back and people couldn't hold on to me. It was impossible. No, no, Bernard Pollard, don't make no fun of me. But, but, but man, it couldn't hold him. I believe Carrie Job sings that song, Death Could Not Hold Him. Is anybody glad? that Jesus got up. Is anybody glad that Jesus stayed on his mission? Because had he come down off that cross, he wouldn't have been the Messiah. Had he come down off that cross, he would have disqualified himself. But he stayed. He endured. He purchased us with his blood. And he raised himself for our justification. And that is the good news. And that's what Christmas is to remind us of. You see, Jesus didn't allow anyone to take him off of his mission. Not a king, not a devil, not even a friend, not a gang, not an enemy disguised as a friend, not even his own feelings, not a crowd, not death, and surely not the grave. Jesus stayed on mission. So let me give you three action points from here. Can you, number one, thank Jesus for staying on his mission? This Christmas, can you thank him for staying on his mission? Because they tried to get him off his mission, but he stayed on his mission. Can you just say thank you, God, for enduring all of that because you love me and my neighbors so much? From your virgin birth to your vicarious atonement on the cross, to your victorious and valiant resurrection, you stayed on mission, and I got to say thank you. But then secondly, 
Can you identify your mission? I told you before, we all have a general mission as Christians. But there's a specific thing he has for you and for me. And until you find that or allow God to show you that, I don't believe you can experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Not only eternal life, but abundant life from John 10.10. And that abundant life is found in fulfilling your mission. The most miserable Christian is the one who's not walking in his or her mission. So you got to find that, even if you got to say, God, what is my mission? What is my purpose? What am I here for? And he'll begin to speak to you if you ask him. Because, again, he saved you for a purpose. And it's not just about what you can get from him, but it's also what you can give because of him. He wants to use your life to touch somebody else. As a matter of fact, you've got to find this mission because there are people's lives depending on it. You've got to find it. There are people who need you to find that mission. And then thirdly, once you find it, you've got to stay on it. And, and if there's anybody who, who said, I'm done, I'm tired, I pray God would give you strength again to get back to what he's called you to do, why he saved you, why you're here. And once again, it's wrapped up in your gifting. It's wrapped up in your passions and your burdens. It's wrapped up in your life experiences. He's got something for you, and I pray that you'll stay on that mission. And for those who may get tired, realize that even your Lord got tired, but he kept on, and the angels came and strengthened him so that he could keep on going all the way to Calvary. So, so, so I've got action steps. Thank Jesus, identify your mission, and then stay on your mission. But finally, if you don't know Jesus, now is the time for you to meet him. Or, or, or let me put it this way. Jesus' mission was to come and to save his people from their sins or to save Chris Williamson from his sin. Jesus' mission was fulfilled in my life. The reason why he came was to save sinners. You're looking at a saved sinner right now. Mm -hmm. His mission was completed in my life. And I just want to know, has God's mission, Jesus' mission, been completed in your life? Yes or no? Has he saved you from your sin? Because if you don't trust him, who are you going to trust who are you going to call on? Who are you going to rely on? Because death is the common denominator for us all. You might as well trust the one who defeated death. And he'll change your life. And if you don't know him, I want to let you know he came for you. He came to give his life for you because he loves you. But you have to trust him. You have to ask him, Lord, be my savior. Lord, be my God. Lord, come into my life. You got to ask him. And if you ask him, the Bible says, for those who call on the Lord, he will not cast out. The Bible says that if you call on the Lord, you'll be saved. So this Christmas, why don't you receive the greatest gift of all? Forget about what you might get from Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally and what you might give to your kids and your cousins. You need to think about the greatest gift you can ever receive, and that's the gift of eternal life, which is through Jesus. Open up your heart and embrace the Lord by faith and say, God, make me a new person. Save me, Lord, and he will do just that. And I promise you, life will never be the same. It'll be the best thing that you can ever do. And guess what? You'll have a Messiah who will walk with you through all of the mess. Because just because we become Christians, as I said earlier, doesn't mean we don't no longer have to deal with mess. Mess around us and even mess in us. But you'll have a Messiah who will be with you every step of the way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for staying on mission. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up. Thank you for being an example for us to stay on our mission. 
especially when it gets messy, when it gets hard, when we've been rejected, when we've been hurt. But I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you've shown us how to get back up and keep on going. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit who gives us the power and the desire to stay on mission. Lord, would you revive your people right now who've been discouraged, who've been tired, all the things going on in the atmosphere, in the country. Lord, it's been wearing on us. But I pray, Lord, that you would revive, renew, restore, refresh all of your people. And I pray for that person, that man, woman, boy, or girl. If you want to know Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord who saves why don't you pray from your heart to God's heart and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I want to be saved. Jesus, save me. Jesus, be my Lord. And I'm here to let you know that if you prayed that prayer to God, you are my brother, my sister in the Lord. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you prayed that prayer, go tell somebody. Tell your spouse, tell your neighbor, tell your coworker, tell somebody that you asked Jesus to be your Savior. Go, go tell it on the mountain. Tell somebody. Tell your grandmother she's been praying for you. Tell somebody. And we thank you, God, for another opportunity to be reminded of how much we love and how sufficient our Savior is. And we thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, 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 before we receive the benediction, um, this Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. online, you can tune in for our Christmas Eve worship experience. Uh, so it's a short service. Uh, there's some teaching, some worship, but we just want to touch you as a Strong Tower family because we can't gather and do our normal candlelight services that, we do, that we've done over the years, but we made sure that on, on the eve of the morning that we celebrate the birth of our Lord, that we take a moment as God's people. So join me Thursday on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock p.m. online on all of our various outlets. And I'm sure you're going to be blessed. But then also uh, today at 3 o'clock, Strong Tower Bible Church, for those who can, uh, there's going to be a drive-through at my home to celebrate my bride. As you know, today is her 50th birthday. So please come by if you can between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock to celebrate my golden lady on her golden birthday. Um, she not only is a wonderful person um, and, and a great wife and an awesome doting mother, but she's been an amazing pastor's wife. And, uh, and I know that you have honored her through the years. You've celebrated her, and I want to thank you for that. And, uh, and if you can, just stop on by and just uh, uh, bless the Lord for this woman that's been a blessing to so many. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, 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 let's pray, let's pray, let's receive the benediction. And I once heard someone say this, that um, they discourage people from leaving church early uh, before the benediction is given because that benediction is necessary. Or, or, or turning off the, 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 the uh, program because, you know, you got other things to do. I've heard the word. Let me move on. No, no, no. no. Let me encourage you. You want to come under the final benediction and blessing because that, that helps the trajectory of the week, that you're going out blessed, okay? So, so, so let, let's pray that blessing. Father God, we thank you that you are the blessor. We thank you, Lord, that you are the source of everything that we need. But Lord, before we even talk about things, we just want to say thank you for you because you are all that we need. And being the father that you are, you make sure that we have the things that we need. But Father, we just first want to say thank you that you bridged the gap, that you made a way, that you initiated salvation to bring us back to you. You are love 
Thank you for sending your son to make us right. We worship you. We adore you. We praise you. We honor you. And we ask, Lord, as your sons and daughters, the one who knows what we have need of before we ask, Lord, I pray that you would bless your people in the name of Jesus. You are the one who said you won't give your children a stone when they ask for bread. You won't give them a serpent when they ask for fish. But you know what our needs are. Lord, somebody needs some transportation Somebody needs gainful employment. Somebody needs housing. Somebody needs peace of mind. Somebody needs healing in their body. Somebody needs your joy. And I thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh. Would you meet the needs of your people? Thank you, God. So now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. And it's according to the power that is working within us. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power in the church now and forevermore. And all of God's blessed people who are on mission, can you say amen? Woo! Amen, somebody. Amen. Hug somebody if you're in the living room with some folks. Hug somebody. You know, y'all ought to be able to hug if you're in the same house. Come on now. Hug somebody and tell them, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. And Lord willing, we'll see you Thursday for Christmas Eve and then Sunday morning for the final Sunday of 2020. Amen, somebody. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church where Dr. Chris Williamson is senior pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 1030 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. We pray you have a blessed, wonderful, and safe remainder of the day, and we'll see you next week, same time, right here at the Tower.